Good morning, everybody. Today is Wednesday, April 25th, and I'm Josh Boykin, the founder of Intelligame.us. You're listening to another edition of Intelligame Radio. start this morning by talking about community and the work that it takes to build a community. The responsibility that comes when a community is starting to grow and unfortunately what happens when that community falls apart. If you haven't heard already, I'm talking about Universal FanCon. This is a convention that was supposed to take place this weekend in Baltimore. It was kickstarted a few years ago with a fundraising goal of $25,000. It ended up raising more than double that. And Universal FanCon was meant to be a show that specifically catered to people of color in marginalized communities. The idea is that this would be a convention that focused on the needs and the concerns of people of color. Now. I didn't end up hearing about this conference until relatively recently, so I didn't have any plans to attend. That said, after attending Game Devs of Color Expo last year, I totally appreciate, understand, and support the need for there to be spaces that center on marginalized communities. That doesn't mean that all folks can't go to these spaces. But it does mean that they generally have considerations for safety, for comfort, um, policies against anti-harassment, and a number of things that just are front and center that sometimes get pushed to the side at other larger, more mainstream events. Game Devs of Color Expo was an amazing experience, and so I was excited to hear the positive glowing stories from Universal FanCon. Unfortunately, uh, about literally a week before the convention, the uh, or before the event, the convention staff issued a notice that the show was going to be postponed indefinitely. The last few days since then, my Twitter timeline has blown up with anger and sadness over not just the. I guess not just the disappointment of the lack of the show, but the lack of transparency moving forward, the ways that some folks were not notified by the staff, but instead were notified by their hotel cancellation that there was a problem. Um, this has become a really large debacle, and I think it's, it brings up a couple lessons worth talking about. If you're looking for a comprehensive source that details the situations that took place, I would check out at IWriteAllDay underscore on Twitter. Clarkisha Kent wrote an article for The Root that really summarizes the events that have taken place over the past week, using a number of sources and tweets to back up the information. Clarkisha's article centers around not just the misappropriation of funds that took place with this convention because 
the over $50,000 that was raised on Kickstarter, as well as any money that would have taken uh, the form of ticket sales or people who paid for booth space, seems to have vanished with many uh, with the official statement saying that folks would not be receiving refunds but instead would be compensated the costs of whatever things they bought whatever tickets or whatever at the next Universal Fan Con event whenever that one happens but the overall misappropriation of trust that comes from creating an event and like this was supposed to be a large event taking place at a large convention center in Baltimore and having people fly in from all over the globe to have something like that fall apart right at the last minute with no real warning I mean it would hurt any community right this would this would be devastating in any context but particularly for it to be a an event that targets people of color, a, an event that is designed for people of color, for members of marginalized communities, and for it to be run by people of color, it feels like, it feels even more injurious. Right? One of the pros of Game Devs of Color Expo is that a lot of care was taken in putting the event together. It was run by a number of staff members who had a real strong sense of what they were doing, were independent game designers already experienced with running their own projects. And when the event finally came together, it, it just, it felt special. And so my heart breaks a bit for many of the folks out there for whom this may have been their first time having an opportunity to enter into a space where they really felt safe and respected, prioritized. I the the more tweets I read and the the more um, the more that I see turn turn up, um, the more frustrating it gets. And I think a number of folks have actually decided to take some time off of Twitter, uh, precisely for that reason. There are many people who are not going to be able to get their refunds for their airfare or hotels or Airbnbs or what have you. And so in addition to the financial damage that's done, uh, you have this, this emotional damage and the destruction of trust. Because it's not just Universal FanCon that suffers, but future events that people suggest where they say that this is meant to target marginal, you know, meant to support marginalized communities. Um, the shadow of Universal FanCon will hang over that. Now, I can't speak for all marginalized communities, but I can say that in the black community in particular, we have a, a habit of taking some of the uh, worst situations and turning them into things that play out positively. And I think that this is happening in Universal FanCon's wake. Regardless of the event itself not happening, a number of folks have gotten together to create pop-up spaces, mini-conventions that'll take place in Baltimore. A number of other events that were taking place at the same time or near that same time have offered 
free tickets or discounted tickets for people who had Universal Fan Con tickets that they won't be able to use, which is fantastic. There were virtual artist alleys set up on Tumblr so that people who had paid money to attend the event or to get booth space or just to fly out would be able to hopefully sell goods online and recoup some of their costs. Now, this doesn't make up for the tens of thousands of dollars that seemingly have vanished in the wake of the convention proper. But my hope is that this will help to still create and solidify some of the community that I think many people were excited about by being at Universal FanCon. There are still going to be a number of people with color converging on Baltimore who have a drive, have a passion to create, to experience, to meet other people who excite them, who care about the same things. And in that space, there's a lot of potential. Uh, it's unfortunately a potential in this case that is tainted by the backdrop of heartbreak and disappointment. But I still think that this means that we could have some amazing people come together who could really make a difference in the future. Perhaps an organization of people could form at this <laughs> sort of space that was created that could create a more trustworthy, more transparent, more well-organized convention that could serve this same community, but make sure that it's done correctly. Given, people will naturally be nervous about this. But my hope is that in the shadow of everything going so poorly, folks don't forget the reason why the event was put together in the first place, or the reason why so many people were excited about this event in the first place. Black Panther was one of the highlights of, uh, of my year. The, the release of it gave me this opportunity not just to celebrate a good movie in its own right, but also to be able to celebrate a celebration of blackness, which is an experience that I feel happens quite infrequently here in the States. And as we have more opportunities to celebrate the potentials and the experiences and the portrayals of people who have not traditionally been recognized, I think it gives us a stronger opportunity to understand the humanity that's present in other people and hopefully helps to build a world that is stronger even outside of the nerd spaces that we create these worlds in. So to those who were negatively affected by Universal FanCon and to those who are um, unfortunately financially put out or um, emotionally damaged, uh, hearts go out to you because this is it's an experience, but I also hope that come this time next year or whenever it is, we have much more joyous stories to tell.
right, so the last thing we're going to talk about before we get out today is God of War, a game that we started talking about on Friday. Now, I will admit, I have only played maybe two and a half hours, three hours. Um, I spent some time streaming it last week for Intelligame, so if you swing over to twitch.tv slash letsintelligame, you can watch the first part of our God of War playthrough. I unfortunately work far away from my PS4 during this week, so I have not been able to put in additional time. But I will say that a number of my friends have been playing this game virtually non-stop since its release. And I think there's a lot to be excited about. Now I will admit that the opinions that I'm going to give are based on just scratching the surface of the game. I have jumped into a couple of Twitch streams to uh, see mid-game mid gameplay, and if you are not already following Kim Chica, uh, if you go to twitch.tv slash K-I-M-C-H-I-C-A, if you're not following Kim Chica, you should be. Um, I, I will admit that, again, my experience with God of War has just barely scratched the surface, but given my two and a half hours of game time, here are my thoughts. First off, it is super obvious that from the get-go, they want you to know that this God of War is not like the other God of Wars you've played. Now, having Atreus as a companion character does add a level of depth to the game that the other parts in the series, and frankly, many other action RPGs in general, haven't had. It's not just that Kratos is exploring this world with his son, who he seemingly has just connected with, and so he's learning fatherhood over the course of, you know, with, with a son who already is walking and talking, and we already know that Kratos, as the god of war, who has destroyed all the gods, uh, he's not exactly a friendly guy. It's not just that you're exploring this world with your son, but it's also that the way that the that Atreus is crafted in the game makes him useful consistently and not just in combat. Atreus is able to read runes in this world that Kratos is new to and is unfamiliar with, and so there's an element of even discussions of literacy that comes up or are implied in God of War that kind of significant. The, uh, as you're exploring the world with Atreus, there are times where he will essentially give you a hint to be able to figure out a puzzle and say, well, how are we going to get across this bridge over here? Or how are we going to do that thing? Now, of course, as Kratos, you don't respond to many of uh, of Atreus's questions or suggestions, perhaps like a headstrong adult would do. But there is this element of compassion that you end up feeling for Atreus over the course of even just the first couple of hours. He's a kid that obviously has a chip on his shoulder and is still in a lot of pain from trying to process the, his mother's death. Uh, God of War's objective or, or main story 
uh, quest is that you are trying to get to the top of the mountain to spread uh, Atreus's mother's ashes. And so it's very much a father-son story uh, that is grounded in a lot of violence and combat, but is um, even in the first couple hours, you can see some of the attempts that it looks like they're going to make towards creating a heartfelt story. That said, there are a couple places where even in the first couple hours, it feels like it tripped up a little bit. The combat response animations, when you uh, hit an enemy with a particular attack, it feels like if you hit the same style of enemy with the same attack, it will respond with the same animation over and over again. Uh, in fact, there were times where I would catch um, a pair of identically styled enemies with the same attack and I would watch them move and you know buckle to my attacks in unison in a way that felt like it was breaking a little bit of the immersion of the game. Also, uh, two and a half hours in, it feels like the only, uh, the only female voice that I have heard is that of one of the enemies, a kind of creepy witch character. Though I do hear that later in the game we do get a strong female character. Um, now, as Kim Chika pointed out during her stream, she appreciated the idea that this was a narrative that is really centering on dynamics between fathers and sons. And it reminded her of situations with students that she's had or um, as a teacher. And I think that there's a lot of power to that. I don't want to cast too much shade on a game that I have only just begun. But I will say that I think there's potential there. And as I keep hearing my friends tell me more about God of War, I keep wishing I had my PS4 with me right now so that I could delve further into the story and have a better understanding of what's happening. And yes, here in the IntelliGame community, I've gotten a little bit of criticism for trying to start God of War over Yakuza 6, which I think many folks would uh, consider the superior dad game. But there are probably folks out there who consider God of War the superior dad game too. So um, we will see how this progresses and hopefully eventually get some time to tail into Yakuza 6 as well. But if you have some opinions on God of War, you should leave them here on the podcast. You can call in with the Anchor app. You can leave applause for the segments that you enjoyed. And you can also leave some clips and tell us your thoughts and feelings about God of War, about Universal FanCon, or if you have any questions about anything that's happening out in the gaming space, go ahead and leave those and we'll be able to uh, possibly feature you on a future segment of IntelliGame Radio. Folks, that does it for another edition of IntelliGame Radio. I've been your host, Josh Boykin. You can find me on Twitter or Facebook.com slash Wallstormer. If you appreciate the content here at IntelliGame, I hope you'll drop us a like or a follow so that you can keep up to date on more IntelliGame goodness. You can do that by going to Facebook or Twitter.com slash Let's IntelliGame. 
Also, you can keep up with our live streams by going to twitch.tv slash letsintelagame. And we're also going to be experimenting with a couple of other live streaming platforms. So if you want to keep in the know on that, again, hit up that social media and you'll be able to stay in the loop. Also, we are reviving the Intelligame newsletter. So if you want to get Intelligame directly to your inbox, swing over to tinyletter.com slash letsintelagame. And as always, if you're interested in financially supporting Intelligame, you can swing over to patreon.com slash letsintelligame. We've got some opportunities there for you to help keep this ship afloat. Anyway, thanks so much for checking this out. Uh, it was great to be able to talk with you a bit, and we'll see you on Friday.